Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. And we watched a movie. <laughs> we did. Yeah. <laughs> we hope everybody had a good movie. We just... <laughs> Uh, hope you guys, everyone out there, had a good holiday. Uh, Happy New Year, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian, when this is dropping. Uh, to celebrate the end of 2022, we watched a movie from 2022. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you right, know, we didn't, I, yeah, we didn't want to watch Mononcle, so we did. Or Black did Adam. <laughs> Look, right. I, I was going to say, H- HBO Max threatened us with, <laughs> with a big Black Adam banner, and we were yeah. like, not the app we're looking at today, folks. <laughs> David Zaslav showed up at our house with a big cake that said, "You can watch my my movie." I don't. You no. You had nothing to do with that, David. But thank yes. you for the delicious cake. Very good, delicious villain cake. Um, yeah, I ate half of it, and then he took the rest of it away from me. And said, you don't get this anymore. <laughs> no one does. It's gone. It's gone forever. It's gone. There was no cake. <laughs> we saved $2 by taking this away from you right now. The cake was a lie, and you can't play that anymore either. <laughs> How? What? <laughs> Do you guys think Zaslav goes into restaurants and just starts, like, knocking food out of people's hands? <laughs> Both get no macaroni. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this This feels right. It just, it feels correct. And everyone's like, but that was my generation's macaroni. How could you take that away from me? Uh, DC's a mess. It'll be fun to, to talk about that whenever we... Yeah, that's not I have much of a problem with everything else. Whenever we, we get to Black Adam, because I'm sure we won't actually want to talk about that movie. Uh... You don't know that. Dwayne, yeah. I am told, I'm told in, in high confidence by Dwayne The Rock Johnson that it's a very good movie and that people liked it a lot so we'll find out you know it's it's really it's really a great sign when when you're having to have the person who who stars in the movie and really is is the one selling it he's he's the only person going guys i promise it's good uh, we, we should establish none of us none of us have seen the movie i yes. i should say the fact that we are the fact that the current narrative is that it is like not good or like a, it's sort of an embarrassment that that definitely means we're going to end up being defenders of it so i'm gonna Look, I'm, accept I, my I'm, fate now i'm gonna, I'm gonna lay that on my the doctor gauntlet. fate if you will uh <laughs> i'm gonna lay down the gauntlet right now if if i give it anything higher than a d plus i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a problem <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tweet at dwayne johnson and be like hey you know what man it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> there is that cute video from the press tour where the Turns out the interviewer is from the same part of Ireland that Pierce Brosnan is from, and Pierce Brosnan's all touched by that, and they talk about it for a minute. That's cute. So there's something yeah. that came out of this movie. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, not we're... the movie we're talking about this week. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. We watched, we watched Glass Onion. We watched another Ryan Johnson special, uh, the sequel to Knives Out, as we talked about last week. Uh, what are what are those scores for Glass Onion, and how do they compare? I guess I also s- stole the fact that it's directed by Ryan Johnson from you, Alex. But I mean, we already said it's a 2022 movie, so we're just uh, so that's true. They're Why am I even here? Johnson. Like useless Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery directed by Ryan Johnson from 2022. It has a 94 percent critic score. Uh, the first film had a 97. 
and a 93% audience score. The first one had a 92%. Ooh, okay. I can I can get with that. Yeah, uh, apparently Ryan Johnson is not happy that he has to have the Knives Out moniker on uh, yeah. on the sequels. I get that. I, I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just funny because he's got a James Bond actor in there, and that series is like yeah. the one that <laughs> does not have to play by that rule. Yeah. I just find that really interesting. But yeah, he shouldn't have to do that. But yeah. he gets to keep making them, so I can't complain yeah. too much. Uh... I think I liked this one a little bit more than the first. Okay. All Interesting. Right. I liked it a little think. bit less. Um but I, not a lot not a lot bit less. Yeah, I think I'm I'm like we I might have to talk it through because I also I did watch this the day it came out. Um but just kind of was excited and immediately got to it. Uh and then now it is four or five days later. Uh so I might have to some of that that's the the things I thought about the movie might have to be uh, kind of rejiggered in my brain uh, as we talk through it. I I think I'm probably I like it about the same, but for different reasons. Um, I think ultimately Knives Out is probably a movie that's gonna like hold a more special place in my heart. Uh, in terms of just something that like I really personally enjoy. Um, and that I think in terms of the thematic stuff speaks to me a little bit more. But yeah, this I, I was glad that I think the fact that the overall response to this movie has generally been, yeah, it's pretty good, uh, and and is a good follow up, and like we like more of Benoit Blanc. I think that is about as good as you can hope for with a sequel yeah. like this to kind of continue establishing it as a good brand series, whatever you want to call it. Like the there's there's not a lot of discourse of like oh man what a disappointment after the first one or like right like some people are like yeah i like it more and some people are like yeah it's more of the same it's pretty good um which i think just shows that it is overall a success um obviously those are pretty good scores as well and i think that tracks with like what i've heard online so overall another another good outing for daniel craig and friends uh maybe the synopsis will help kind of jog your memory yeah um the synopsis for glass onion reads thus Tech billionaire Miles Braun invites his friends for a getaway on his private Greek island. When someone yeah, turns that up, did happen. Yeah, right? And when someone turns up dead, Detective Benoit Blanc is put on the case. Oh. <laughs> that was a... That's it? <laughs> I, I meant to interrupt the middle of your no, I know. Uh, whole thing. <laughs> extensive synopsis, but that was, was very... Well, I mean, much... it's a very simple, straightforward answer, much like the movie. Yeah. Um, and I mean that as a compliment to me. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I did like it. I feel like Knives Out feels like a, a movie and this feels like a sequel, which is exactly what they both mm. are. Um, this is loaded down with celebrity cameos, some of which I it really enjoyed. I don't ultimately like the idea of relying on cameos for comedy, but at the same sure. time, I liked the cameos. So, And I'm this okay movie has a couple of excuses, I think, to yeah. really lean on that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and it also, it never, it, they're not cameos that I'm, for the most part, they're cameos I'm not used to seeing. Yes. Um, telling me Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is making a cameo is like a step below telling me Neil deGrasse Tyson makes a cameo. It's like, yeah, I know. I know Neil deGrasse Tyson makes sure. a cameo in something. He's not in this movie, but like, that guy loves making cameos and stuff. Yeah. Are, are we saying this is in the same universe as the Mighty Ducks trilogy? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Look, 
Look, if Benoit Blanc walked in wearing a pair of Air Bombays, <laughs> I would be very happy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel uh, like this is another really strong cast, but I feel like they don't hit the individual highs that the previous ensemble did for me. I still feel like everyone in it is good. Um, I, I just generally speaking really like Catherine Hahn it's it's really good to see her and we can kind of go through and talk about everybody Edward Norton always good like everyone in it is good but I feel like the previous movie you got something so so rich from each each performance that maybe I was it's because I wasn't expecting it in the first one like I was in this one yeah maybe it's not as against type as some of those performances are although in some cases it is they didn't force Leslie Odom Jr to sing so that was nice mm-hmm. not that he's not a great singer but it's nice that they relied on his other abilities um but i think all of that said it made Daniel Craig stand out even more to me and i think he's phenomenal in this yes like he he's he's obviously terrific in the first one he's so good in this one and he's so warm and genial and courtly and polite because for so much of the movie he's the only likable character he's the mm-hmm. only like nice person in the room and just him being like introducing himself to uh andy being like oh it's so not i'm benoit like though i love the way he's so sweet to people and he's like taking care of the dead body he's like if you'll just stand over there i'm gonna handle this like he's just so sweet and he's obviously still very funny but it's it really made me realize like yeah he's doing like a broad accent but also he's just doing an accent and playing it very human and playing it down much more than we think he is. When you say Daniel yeah. Craig is doing like a foghorn leghorn voice, you're like, oh man, this is a crazy character. But he's really playing it like a human. And I think that's the magic trick of that performance. Like he's, he's just wonderful in it. I agree. And it's really nice just having like this performance and no time to die like right next to each other in terms of like very different ways that he's expressing a more vulnerable side to you know a a kind of hero archetype as it were um he's very 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 good at that (laughs) yes no he's wonderful also a few things made me happier in this movie than him going no it's just dumb <laughs> like when he's ruining the reveal of the mystery and he's like this is stupid like it's so it made me so happy yeah i i really really like that the moment where he realizes oh you you shooting andy you stole that from me yeah <laughs> yeah he is he's he's tremendous yeah i i completely agree um I don't want to say my my reasoning for liking this one more is purely superficial, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the location. Um, I think having like this extravagant island and the glass onion kind of this this huge party room of sorts. Um, I don't know. Just I, I, for some reason, I, I'm more fascinated by that than just it's like an old manor and somebody died. Right. Um, and I, I don't want to keep making James Bond comparisons, but this keeps coming to mind. It kind of reminds me how, like, Skyfall is a fantastic movie. I respect it quite a bit. I don't care for that third act because I think it's boring because it's just in a manner and it's just to shoot him up and it's all gray. Um, it's home alone, but continue. It, correct. <laughs> um, 
And not, I'm not saying that that uh, Knives Out is is like gray with its color palette yeah. or anything. No, it's it's very rich. But like, I, I it's almost along the same lines of just as a set piece or a location. This one just it it, it you know it hits it hits what I would want more. I guess. Well, and I like how, and I'm not that familiar with Agatha Christie, but I believe the follow up to Murder on the Orient Express is Death on the Nile, both in movies and in books. And I think that. Again, you have like a contained location and then like a bigger maritime kind of situation. They're all chamber mysteries. And this one is also in one area, but I like that it's it's still a transplant of sorts and that everybody there is is new to the location except for uh, uh, Norton. Um, I mm. think that's that that is a neat way to kind of continue to reference the Agatha Christie thing without just I'm going to do my own version of the boat one. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And it's a it's a bigger one, uh, like location, but it's also more isolated. Yeah. Uh, because they never actually leave the island until the end. They're, we have flashbacks, uh, which we'll get to that whole structure. But the actual location is somewhere where all the characters are just kind of in a, uh, just room slowly boiling over in tension yeah. at each other. Uh. Whereas the other one, we do leave the house and we see where Marta lives and we go right. into the town and like have these other locations that show up. Whereas this is like, it's a bigger area because it's all going to take place in this area. So we need a little more interesting uh, kind of a set piece and we need more places for them to be able to go and more things to be able to happen. But the island itself is totally cut off so that they, they have to kind of change the the structure of the mystery and change the way that everyone's interacting and it, it feels more dangerous uh in general because all these people kind of are used to getting away with things yeah. uh with their influence and their power that it's kind of like what have they walked into uh i mean really early on it's what has daniel craig walked into uh and you know kind of creates more tension in that regard whereas the the stress of knives out is more about like, is Marta going to go to jail? Like right. there's points mm. where she's threatened. And obviously at the end, uh, uh, ransom tries to stab her, but it's, it's not the same. You're not, you're not really worried about the actual like mortality of any of the characters. Sure. Throughout most of the movie. Whereas this, this is, it's like very much on your mind through a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, and in, in a way that where the situation escalates, realistically it feels natural it feels like this is yeah. like a scenario where someone could you know end up just totally trying to murder <laughs> the other people on the island yeah. uh so uh, yeah i i think it's really effective when i genuinely expected and i think we're supposed to that edward norton was gonna die and that we were yeah. gonna actually have to solve his murder and i was not expecting it to be actually dave batista and then it turns out it's this other big plot that we're, we're working yes with. i thought that was was a lot more, was really interesting. And I think this movie does a nice job of echoing the first one where it's again, a bunch of out of touch rich people, but it doesn't feel repetitive. It feels like, yeah, we're playing on that with that same idea, but it's, it's, there's not like, okay, this is the ransom surrogate. This is the Walt surrogate. It feels much more like this is another version of people being out of touch because of their privilege and their, the isolation of, of their success. It's also interesting how they play with 
like, like in the first film, everyone kind of feeds off of Harlan because he's built up this huge right. empire and like everyone needs him, mm-hmm. but he's not like evil. Yeah. And he's, he's purposely trying to make decisions that will make their lives better. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with this one, Edward Norton, like the, the relationship he has with everyone is so much more toxic yeah. and everyone is still relying on him for, you know, money and power and influence, but yeah. he can kind of just cast anyone aside whenever he wants. Um, so it, it's, it, it's very much the, the great thing that good sequels do, which is the same thing, but different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I don't know. Edward Norton was just so unlikable. I, I found that. Really and, good, I, yeah. and what I really liked was that they did like, he's basically like a social media mogul, but they didn't make him a one-to-one proxy with yes. any particular, like he's not Zuckerberg or yeah. Elon Musk, or he's not exactly like any individual person. Yeah. Um, and I like that because that somehow I feel like this movie, it, it is dated because it is very much about like, oh, COVID is happening, which I actually yeah. think is really interesting that they make that choice. And I think this is the first film I've seen that's actually had that as a plot point. Um. I know there have been like a handful yeah. that have come out since COVID that actually deal with that, but this is the first one that I've seen. And I, I, I thought it actually used that pretty effectively. Yeah, I liked it. Um, but I don't feel like any of that stuff is too heavy handed. Cause I feel like they could have very easily been like, yes, what he's talking about is Facebook. Do you get it? Yeah. Like, and they don't, they just don't do that. It's more just like broad strokes themes yeah. of like, you know, people with just like this pa- level of power and influence, how does that affect everyone that they interact with? Yeah. You know. And it's interesting, as specific as they get with celebrity references and pop culture references and specific things that happened in the real world, it is, I think, appropriately indirect or nonspecific about that. Because I think then it becomes, it would almost lose its potency if it was like, this is Milan Yusk. Yeah. You know, yeah. or if he was a one to one, it would almost it would just feel like a parody at that point, as opposed to we're talking about the toxicity of this type of role. Yeah. Kind of like Mitchell's versus the machines. It's like, this is just about tech startups. It's not about a specific one. Right. Yeah. I I, I find, I I found all that stuff really, really fascinating. And even if the characters don't quite as get as much to do individually as they did in the first film, like, I feel like the last episode we were just like pointing out each specific actor and being like, they did great. They did great. They did great. Whereas with this one, like everyone's good, definitely. But I feel like some of them are like, they weren't really surprised, you know, surprises. Like Kate Hudson was very much like, okay, I know she can play that kind of role and she does it very well. Or Dave Bautista even. I was like, okay, he's doing it very well, but it's not like a surprise. Dave Bautista is... I want to I wanted to say is interesting because I I feel like this, this is going to sound really mean. I don't mean it this way, but I do feel like he is bringing something to a role that a lot of the time would be played by like some former wrestler turned actor like a John Cena or, yeah. or Dwayne Johnson. But he's doing it with kind of his own talent and the fact that he is a really good actor <laughs> like he's he's, he's like actor. kind of coming back to that after doing some you know 
really great performances. We just yeah. talked about Blade Runner 2049 not too long ago and the kind of little part he has in that. Um, I, I feel like he's he's adding a little more to it because he's not just like doing that straight. Like he is a better actor than that and he, yeah. he can bring more to that performance than it would be if you were just like, this is a big beefy guy and he's right. now getting to be an actor in my movie. Go watch it. Uh, he well, is like, oh no, he, this guy's really good at acting, and like he he's yeah. doing something with this beyond, and and he can do something with this because he's such a good actor, even though he's playing something that it would be really easy to just like typecast him as and just be like, oh yeah, it's a Dave Batista, just go go play the big jerk guy. Yeah, well, and you shared a, a quote from Ryan Johnson with us earlier, Tyler, that that I I can't paraphrase exactly, but yeah, he was talking about that that like he he as a person he's very vulnerable when you meet him and he's. He 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 said something about like the the physical trappings of like what you expect because he looks the way he does. You're like that's the kind of character he plays, and he can do it funny because he did it funny in Guardians and he did it funny in Stuber. So therefore, he can do that. He can either be a tough bad guy or a funny beefy guy. And it's like no, he's got something else. He has these other uh, qualities, but also he just has acting skill and he just has acting talent. Um, so yeah, I always like seeing Dave Bautista and stuff, and and I, I I think I've said in the twenty four in that episode, I want to see him in more like I'm just like a sad older guy, <laughs> just like living on a farm. <laughs> I want to see him do that, but I also liked seeing him in this. Um, I, I similarly, I think Catherine Hahn, it she is somebody who can go broad when she needs to. Like you look at Wandavision, or I haven't really seen the Bad Moms movies, but I know she's like the more sort of out there character in those. She can totally do that, and she's great at it. But I like then that she's so much more like, sub, like reined in. There's a gr- terrific moment where, uh, spoiler alert, Janelle Monae plays twins, and um, <laughs> Kate Hudson thinks she's still, even after it's been revealed that she's the twin, she thinks she's the original sister. And Kate Hudson's like, wait a minute, you're actually the twin or something. And in the background, you can see Catherine Hahn kind of mouth, oh my. And just kind of like <laughs> put her hand and like, what are we doing here? Like, I really liked seeing her and Leslie Odom Jr. as like two of the more straight characters kind of off in the corner. Yeah. Just like, what what is going on? <laughs> like, what are you yeah. people thinking? What is going on and how do we get out of this? Yeah, exactly. I, I just I generally like Catherine Hahn, but it was nice to see her get to that. I mentioned it was nice to see Leslie Odom Jr. something do something where they didn't go. And you're going to sing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like he can also act and is good at it. Maybe I was just upset that Jessica Henwick didn't get up in somebody's face and be like, do you want more cookies, Ransom? <laughs> okay, she's really good in this. Uh-huh. I yeah. think the only things I've seen her in are Game of Thrones and uh, Matrix, right? She's in both of those? She, she's in like five seconds of Force Awakens. <laughs> okay, okay. But she's he, also in uh, the acclaimed she, Iron Fist show. Am I, she is, oh, she I is hands Fist. down the I'm best part it. of Iron Fist. She is legit. Yes, like if I there is that. a no, that, that is true. If there is a pros and cons list to Iron Fist, <laughs> she is literally the only thing under <laughs> pro. Okay, well, I, w- I was gonna kind of blend that with Obi Wan Kenobi and watch them together, um, uh-huh. <laughs> and just make Alex my best friend. Um, <laughs> but no, somehow, I, I thought she was somehow so- I watched both of those. So. <laughs> but I thought she was really good in this because I had only seen her in like action roles, which she's obviously good at. And she's very funny in this. She has a, I cannot remember. There's, she, it walks in on some line that is like, has like a crass or sort of sexual sound to it. And she has, she like enters and in the same entrance is like, hey, go, wait, what? (laughs) Like, it's this really good take. (laughs) 
I thought she was she was very funny in it, and I was like, oh, cool, I want to see her get to do more of this kind of acting. Like, I know she can do the the really you know really mm-hmm. butt kicking girls get it done kind of stuff. So I want to see her also get to be funny. I I really enjoyed her in this. Yeah, I feel like overall the structure of the film it helps to differentiate it from knives out but it also i think hurts one of the wonderful things about knives out which is just seeing all the characters interact with each other yeah because basically the second hour of this movie is just a series of flashbacks and a lot of it is just focused on single characters or a couple of characters it's not so much everyone interacting and bickering with each other which is right what I was expecting a bit more of the movie to be, I thought it was going to be, oh, there's different places on the island we can go to and we're going to get these interesting pairings of people as they're exploring and finding clues and, and whatnot. And that's really not what it does, yeah. which, you know, uh, points for doing something different. And I actually found the flashbacks really compelling and I liked how it kind of filled in the holes and I, I you know, kept me kept me invested. But at the same time, I was like, well, we're not we're not using the cast to the sure. fullest potential. I don't think aside well, from like well, yeah. Janelle Monet and Ed Norton, of course they get a cheese. Very good. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I, yeah, very good. Well, and, and this movie, I think too, it, I know it doesn't waste its cast. Like no, by no means are they wasted. I think it was just a matter of like, and I may feel differently. I may rewatch Last Onion and go, "Oh, I take it back. I, there were so many little pieces of performances that I missed because I was trying to follow the narrative." Um, and I think I remember Alex in the last episode you mentioned feeling like you liked the kind of the the first two thirds better than the the denouement of everything. Where now we're just kind of working through the mystery. I right. felt not a kind of flipped with this one. Where I still enjoyed the build up. But once we, like, Dave Bautista's character dies and we get really into the unraveling explanation of everything, that was when I started going, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting any of this. I was expecting, I could tell Janelle Monae was going to be involved in this somehow. And she is, again, the same but different. She's kind of the Marta without being Marta at all. Yes. She is, like, once that all got going, I was like, well, I wasn't expecting Dave Bautista to die. I wasn't expecting the murder to happen within the action i thought it was the setup to the action i was now i really don't know where this is going and i really like the whole setup of the glass onion you think it's uh layered but you can see the you can see it very clearly and then when they do all the reveals i was like that makes perfect sense in a way that i don't feel is stupid yeah like it's stupid for the character but like for the movie it works right i I think ultimately that might be the actual reason I like this more than Knives Out. I think I just find the mystery overall more compelling. I still found it a little frustrating that at the end it was like, oh, Ed Norton, the guy in charge of everything. Yeah. Is, is like that sure. reveal ultimately, I, I still found a little disappointing. I found that kind of similar to the first one where after a certain point, like I could kind of guess that for myself. Like basically... Once Dave Batista died, I was like, oh, so it's probably Ed Norton. Right. I, yeah. I do think this movie, I feel like it makes it more upfront obvious more quickly that it's going to be him. And then it kind of becomes, how do we stick this in a way that is sure. going to actually impact him somehow? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that gets established upfront more quickly. Like I think, I think the movie does a good job of kind of directing you away from really thinking it's going to end up being any of the others, 
And then it's just like, okay, how do we actually prove it was him? What did he actually do? And what's going to be the outcome of, of this? I, I have, I felt that that was more where the intention was. Whereas with knives out, there was a little more like mystery up until the, the big third act reveal. I would agree. And I think that it, if, the way in which it was Ed Norton was interesting and compelling yeah. that it wasn't just a mat. Like, yeah, it, it, kind of like with Chris Evans, where I'm not really shocked that it's Chris Evans, but I'm interested in how he did it and what the specific machinations of everything were and how it was really about Marta more than it was about him. This is a little more about Janelle Monet, but it is, is a bit more both. Um, so yeah, again, like if you just told me Ed Norton did it, I'm like, okay, now I know that. But understanding the machinations and the way it all sets up, I think, is is really compelling. Um, yeah, it's not just a matter of like who had the gun. <laughs> it's yeah. it's more more layered than that, which I like. Yeah. Unlike Clue, that awful game, <laughs> right? Which I I love how Benoit is just so like, oh, it's the bane of my existence. It's just awful. It's so stupid. I love that. his whole thing about I am exceedingly bad at dumb things. Yeah. <laughs> And then that, the fact that that comes back into him being very angry at Edward Norton for being a bad murderer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb. Um, he was playing Among Us in this movie. He was. <laughs> and Great. he was bad at and it. He Gamer was bad confirmed. at that too. Gamer uh, confirmed. He, I want to talk about that scene real quick because I... <laughs> he's playing Among Us, which I have not yeah. played. But one of the gamer tags said murder she solved. And I was like, oh, that's cute. That must be his name. No, it's literally Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I was like, that's amazing that Angela Lansbury's gamer tag in this world is Murder She Solved. I love that. Um, and then you've also got in that Natasha Leone, which yes. sure, <laughs> Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and Steven Sondheim, which tells you this movie was filmed a while ago. But like sure. how does Ryan Johnson know Steven Sondheim? I my it's what amazing. I, what I hope and would like to think is that it's, it really is just that Ryan Johnson is a nice person who makes yes. lots of connections by being a nice person with other people. I get, I get that. Uh, which I also I feel is 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 further justified by the fact that he basically did a Star Wars and it's just like that's all I need to do. <laughs> I thought it was a neat experience and I'm out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> JJ that... will bring this to, to a satisfying close. <laughs> Take it from here, Colin or JJ. <laughs> Lateral else. move. I I salute you. <laughs> Good luck. Um, yeah, I I don't know. That it is, I it was is very just funny. Gobsmacked, and that was the second cameo that broke my brain. The one that absolutely shattered me is that in the the uh, Kate Hudson at the beginning is throwing this big party because everyone's in her pod, so to speak. Right. And at one point, she's like, "What's this music? Yo Yo Ma." Yo Yo Ma. Is that who? I did not. That is Yo Yo Ma. That's very funny. Who, who is shows explaining... up? <laughs> what a fugue is. Yeah. And he's so That's excited. Pretty. and He's got his drink, and I was like, first of all, you're good in this, Yo Yo Ma. Second, I I love him. I think he is one of the most immediately calming people on the planet. Like, if you ever just want to calm down, watch an interview with Yo Yo Ma. He'll get you there, man. He will. He will bring <laughs> down that blood pressure. He is so. He. I love him, and I like a classical music guy. But I'm a big, big fan of his. So when Yo-Yo Ma showed up, I was like, this is the kind of cameo I want where it's not just like we got all the SNL cast in it or we got all the like, you know, Snoop Dogg is in it or whatever. Right. It's like, no, we got Yo-Yo Ma and Steven Sondheim and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. 
and also Hugh, Hugh Grant. Grant is is Benoit's boyfriend, I guess. Boyfriend or something. Yeah, that was that was good. Uh, Ethan <laughs> Hawke shows up as the guy dispensing. Yeah, the... I I really thought he was going to be more of an more of a yeah. person, <laughs> and he kind of just shows up and is like, "All right, you guys don't have COVID now. Bye." I yeah. I did I did wonder if he just walked over from the set of Moon Knight because he's got the long hair he like he had Moon Knight. And I'm like, that seems not that would have been awesome. This is this is very sur- get Oscar Isaac in this movie. Why not? <laughs> Uh, Where is he? No, Oscar as always, Isaac next time. Next, Oscar Isaac should be the next Marta. Uh, that is oh. my, my pitch, I think. I just really, I, I I don't know. And I also just really love how both these movies are about like, yeah, there's this cool detective, but really it's about a very competent woman of color. <laughs> like that yeah, is also like part of this movie without like patting yourself on the back. Even more explicitly in this movie, it's really about him kind of like helping create the opportunity for them to like kind of get what they have earned and deserved yeah uh, in this case being sort of the the takedown of the person who, who stole everything uh from andy like that i, I think that is just it, it's really well done i i like how Benoit Block sort of sort of exits this movie for the the very last part by basically being like, "This is really dumb." Uh, the okay, he he did burn the napkin. That's annoying. I'm going to walk away now. I can't do anything else to help you except kind of give you a little nudge in the right direction. Yeah, for how to handle the situation. Here's um, some hydrogen you can throw at something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blow something it, up. Basically, yeah, because it never feels like she just that he got revenge for her or that like she just accepted his charity she does it she does it all by herself but it's like yeah he was an ally he was helpful um yeah totally i also i did have to verify this just now but daryl the random other guy there that's trooper wagner from the first movie yep i don't know if that's supposed to be that same character but it's the same actor huh i assume not yeah, because no, I, I, I wondered at some point during the movie, I was like, he looks really familiar, and I was like, oh, is he a plant? Is he part of the the plan? But I think he's just, it's just like a fun, like, yep. Yeah, it's, the actor is Noah Segan, and okay. he basically just shows up in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. Oh, okay. In, in little parts, like he has, I think he's more of an antagonist in Looper, and I think he's like a pi- pilot who shows up for five seconds in Last Jedi. That okay. sounds right. So I'm sure him and Same. Jessica Henwick had a, a ball talking about the, <laughs> sure. the day that they spent on a Star Wars set. They got Hermione yeah. Corfield on FaceTime and they were like, remember, we were dropping bombs? It was crazy. <laughs> I uh, I really... Uh, oh, was Henwick uh, Rose's sister? No. Okay. She's she's just a random pilot in okay. Force Awakens. Oh, in Force she Awakens. She's not okay, in Last okay. Jedi. Yeah. I was thinking Last Jedi. Okay. Um, neat. But I also just like the joke that there's this other guy who's there and don't worry about it. I think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and Daniel Craig is like throwing back a beer with him at the end of yeah. the movie. And again, in a movie that doesn't work, I'd be like, that's so stupid. Why did you yeah, do yeah. that? But in a movie that works, I'm like, that's hilarious. Well done, Ryan. Yeah, I could see that being like, imagine that in Jurassic World Dominion. And we'd <laughs> yeah. all just like be one. We'd be breaking our TVs. <laughs> yeah, like, why are you doing this? But here it's delightful. Yeah. 
Um, Surprise no, and yeah. delight, I think, is is the the uh, mission statement <laughs> for these movies. Yeah. But I just continue to. I I just want to again reemphasize like. I think Janelle Monae is really, really good in this. And I really like how they throw in twins like midway through the movie and it works. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, twins. All right. It all makes which, sense for me. Which is kind of the, the funny thing is that like the conclusion Benoit Blanc comes to is, okay, I'm, you know, ultimately this is very straightforward and silly because I've known all the information up to this point. I've It's been a little bit fuzzy to me. But actually, I, I think it all is literally just as simple as it seems. Uh, and this guy is acting like he's way more comp- complex and intellectual and interesting than he actually is. Um, but the actual mystery is super convoluted in a way that is very, like, sort of clockwork and, like, tight and interesting. Because there is literally an entire other murder that we don't know about. <laughs> and, right, yeah. Like, that doesn't come up until halfway through the movie. And then we get into there there's two different murders that have to be kind of solved as far as what happened to both uh Janelle Monáe as her twin uh, and, yeah <laughs> and, and Andy is the one that died yeah yeah uh we have to solve her murder and we also have to solve Dave Batista's murder and figure out what happened in both scenarios and like what happened to the napkin and like basically piecing all this together in a way that is actually like structurally really complicated and like interesting to follow but the like the the movie is both backing up like how interesting it is to peel back all these layers uh while also making that like a satisfying conclusion to the mystery itself i I think it's an onion or something yeah no literally i i think it's i i mean that's i feel like that's definitely like a bit of the inspiration for how the structure unfolds. The fact that it does continue to reveal more and more. And like, we start with this big old mystery box that has to be solved by all these people working together. And like every little piece has a different puzzle and it all kind of unwinds. Uh, And and I I think that's all definitely intentional to feel that way and feel like you're slowly peeling this back to get to the truth. Uh, But unlike uh, how it is for Ben Block it's a lot more fascinating for us uh, <laughs> it is for him to be like this is really dumb I was excited well, he's and like, now I'm not well there was a box with all these like child's puzzles <laughs> Edward Norton's <laughs> like my puzzle guy made that what are you talking about which is which is funny because it, you know in hindsight you realize that he actually did not like solve all these puzzles right. by himself right. which I think probably when I, when it got to that point I was like oh that's a funny bit but I think probably would have been a step too far to say that he just like solved all these ridiculous puzzles on right. his own um, without having any context or like background for where they would have come from. And that he yeah. did actually just get the box that was smashed open. Right. Uh, when is... it also, at that point you realize he's playing, he's playing exactly. with miles. So like it kind of, yeah, it, it works. And I like when you, at the beginning you see Janelle Monet smash the box open. You're like, Oh, she doesn't care. And then later you realize, Oh, she wouldn't have known how to solve it. That when you realize right. that Helen is the one that right. smashed the box, not Andy, it's that it still works just in a different way. It's also just a funny gag. Um, yes. For her to just bash it open. Also, uh, I, Whiskey was played by, I think, Madeline Klein is the actress's name. Um, I enjoyed her. I was just also I need to mention her. I meant to check I, this. I believe she was in the show The Outer Banks. Okay. Double check this because I kind of like came to that conclusion and then never actually confirmed it. Because uh, I I like how they play up this whole like oh she's the yes. sec- arm candy sex pot, is it Madeline Klein? Am I right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Um, and then you're like, no, she's, she's smart. <laughs> and like, she's, she's not like an amazing person, but she's better than, you know, we're led to believe. And like, there's, there's nuance to that. I, I liked that the way they handled it, that character. Yeah. That's interesting as she plays, uh, in outer, the outer banks, which is a show that I have not finished or watched most of, even, I think. <laughs> but I have watched enough, uh, to have remembered her performance. Um, she plays like a character who is, uh, the daughter of like the richest man in town who has like all the power and influence and like her kind of being pulled away from the, uh, the luxuries of that life and like learning to not be isolated is her arc that she's going through in that show. Okay. Which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I, I really like her in this as well. I like that there's a bit of a, a friendship that forms between her and, uh, what is the name of, not Andy, but her twin? Helen. Helen, yeah, okay, you already said that. Uh, yeah, uh, I like the friendship that forms between them. Yeah. I think that is uh, a nice little th- thing that, like, the, the way that we see during the flashbacks how Helen kind of interacts very differently with all these people and uh, is, you know, really a kind person at heart, like, that's all quite nice. Yeah. No, definitely. And I like that this movie, too, it uses flashbacks to, you know, previous action. It also uses flashbacks to itself. <laughs> like, it's just constantly mm-hmm. reframing scenes from 20 minutes ago. But it, I, I like that. That's interesting that we basically go through the first act again. Um, yeah. Now with the understanding that Andy has been Helen the whole time and where she was and what she was up to. But that was all really interesting. So rather than feeling like, oh, we got to go through this again. And they did this similarly with the flashbacks in the first movie too, where it's just it's it, you are consistently getting new uh, cogent information. And I really loved maybe because I just possibly misused cogent the constant wrong words that Edward Norton is using. <laughs> I was kind of noticing it, but then when they they do the like the montage, the the supercut of of all the bad words he used or the wrong words he used, it's so funny. Let's just try I'll try to imbiviate <laughs> in this or whatever. <laughs> It's like Music Man. It's so funny. Yeah, and it's really effective because you you do kind of just let it slide as you're watching yeah, you're like, the movie. And then oh, I probably just haven't heard like, that word before. Okay. Oh, wait, or or just like it it doesn't. It's just like oh that that was a weird like okay whatever yeah. like it it shows like somebody who has that sort of confidence and yeah. just like goes for it can get away with it for the most part. Right. <laughs> like you kind of flag it, but you forget to, and then later you're like. I, there is something weird. Yeah. I would be... It would be curious to be a fly on the wall watching the production of this movie because particularly for Ed Norton, he is notoriously kind of difficult to work with and oftentimes he tries to uh, take control creatively. Um, so I don't know if he's kind of mellowed out over the years. Basically what I'm getting to is that I'm still upset that he is not the Hulk in the MCU. And this movie proves that he can play well with an ensemble cast with a lot of yeah. comedy. That is true. <laughs> I like that that started out as as the the review and then turned into a phone call to Kevin Feige. <laughs> Look, I, I'm just saying deepfake technology's come a long way. We just have Ed Norton in in a sound booth doing some voiceover. And then Ragnarok suddenly gets like half a grade better. (laughs) (laughs) 
like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> no, I like Edward Norton too. I'm not no, gonna. I, I Mark Ruffalo is not my do, problem with that movie. <laughs> what we have to do to write this wrong is have Edward Norton be introduced as the leader, uh, and then Tim Blake Nelson can be Stiltman. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then, okay. Did I? I don't remember if the Daredevil show had somebody who was supposed to eventually be Stiltman, but whoever that was gets to be like. I don't know. Normal. Bullseye. <laughs> I know we already have bullseye. It's fine. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, several yeah, directions yeah. There. Just like really, really shuffle some chairs around. I think it'd be good. Sure. And Colin Farrell gets to be uh, M- Modoc. Yes. Actually, <laughs> though. But he just does the penguin voice. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what are you? <laughs> oh, come on! I'm trying to float in my little chair. What are you doing? <laughs> Man, my waveforms are crazy at that. <laughs> I'm kicking my little legs. Look at me, so cute. <laughs> That's what Modoc's always doing, right? Talking about how adorable he is. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's got to be what that that Patton Oswalt show that that it doesn't wh- exist anymore. That's that's what the the running gag is, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I like Edward Norton in this movie. Um, um I did want to point out that this movie does not feel its length. I was a little sure. concerned when I first started it when I saw two hours and twenty minutes. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this could really drag. Like an hour in and it doesn't like you said Britain. once it gets to actually kind of showing all the flashbacks and everything it actually it felt like the pacing actually sped up and it was like i don't know it, it didn't feel like two hours and 20 minutes had passed by yeah and i think that's that's pretty impressive it's, it's 10 minutes longer than the first film both yeah and and i think both movies have like the perfect structure for a, a really convoluted mystery like this which is like for the first act, you don't really know what's going on, and you, there's no way for you to know what's going on. You're not expected to, and you're kind of just waiting for the movie to tell you what's going on. So there's kind of a pins and needles, like, waiting, like, okay, wh- where are we going with this? What What's actually going to happen here? Yeah. And then the second act is, like, really flipping everything on its head so that you suddenly question everything. Uh, and then the third act is the actual resolution. So, like, there's never a point where you're really bored because the pacing and the, the structure and the way it unfolds is at one point. Um, I like it a lot. I, I think the, the what the second act really does too that helps is show you how effective Daniel Craig uh, or how effective Blanc is as a detective. Uh, because I think also for the entire first act, there's kind of a, a feel of like, well, it doesn't, like Craig's kind of snooping around, you know, he's trying to piece some things together. It doesn't really seem like he totally knows what's going on. Like he's still sort of uh, tossed into the, the wolves in here. And he has the, uh, the piece about the, uh, he mentions like, Oh, I, you know, with an anonymous invitation, it's not something to be trifled with. Like, I, I like that. There's like a little callback to the first movie that ends up totally being something he's making up anyway. Uh, I, I think that really helps show how effective he is that we actually find out that he's totally been 10 steps ahead of Edward Norton the entire time. Uh, and there's this entire other mystery that he's really trying to solve. Uh, and somewhere in the midst of all this, he does find the time to totally crack 
the fake murder mystery that was supposed to be set up and take the whole weekend. Yeah. That's an incredible scene. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he just yes. reveals that he understands everything going on. Uh, it's very good. Yeah. I, I really like that the movie is able to play the trick on me. It, I mean, it really is a glass onion. It's like mm. all the pieces are right there in front of you and you just, you can't piece them together until Blanc walks you through it. Cause like it gets to that scene where him and Helen, who we think is Andy at the time, are standing outside and she gets shot yeah. and he, it's kind of like a cliffhanger moment where he goes, you are the last piece. You just need to tell us this one thing. And then she gets shot. And I'm like, Oh, he's already figured it out except for literally one piece. I yeah. don't know if I buy that. And then we get an hour of flashbacks yeah. and then he yes. starts walking you through and you're like, I get it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm on board. <laughs> Sounds good. Totally. Um. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the Jared Leto brand was a type <laughs> of alcohol, right? And Jeremy was Renner a, was the hot sauce. Jeremy Renner yes. was the hot sauce. Was the... Uh, with the kombucha, I think. The hard yeah. kombucha. Yes. This is hard kombucha. It's 8% alcohol. Which I love the gag that Helen, as she gets more and more drunk, she's actually kind of more effective at sure. uh-huh. getting information out of them. <laughs> Blanc at some point goes, you are just a natural. <laughs> it's very and, good. Yeah. And Serena Williams is also a cameo in that bit. <laughs> Or you, you see this, like, what you think is an ad, and then yeah. for, like, Fitness with Serena, she's like, are y'all going to use your session? And they're like, what? what? <laughs> no. Uh, funny stuff. Yeah. It was a, it was a great time. It was a great time. I, I do kind of regret not seeing this in the theater, but I know it had, yeah. had a limited release, so I don't know how thing. realistic that would have been, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think I've, I wasn't cold on the movie before. I definitely think I've warmed up talking about it and also like just letting it sit in my head a little bit more. Like, I, I, I didn't really want there to be a sequel to Knives Out, but I do not mind that this is what we got. And now I wouldn't be upset if he made a third one. I would mm-hmm. like to see Ryan Johnson make movies that aren't Benoit Blanc mysteries just because like I want to see him do lots of different stuff because he's really good. But, like, if you told me that he was like, oh, yeah, I've got another idea for a Benoit Blanc movie. Like, if, if he was making it because he wanted to, I'd be like, great, let's do it. Yeah. Sure. I think it'd be knocked out one more kind sure. of, uh, again, totally different track yeah. uh, for for a Blanc movie. I, I think that would be that would be good. And then maybe he could come back to it. You could do Old Man Blanc in sure. 10 years it's- or whatever. It's it's literally Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but it's Blanc like <laughs> yeah. in the background, and like there's this whole See mystery around, that we, look. If if he could somehow make sense of the whole the the, the race or the the chase in space, I'm gonna keep rhyming. Oh, oh I thought you were gonna say if he could make sense of where Luke Skywalker went in between the original trilogy and sequel trilogy. Look. Look, I, I think I think it's better to leave let sleeping dogs lie. Let's let's attack the heart of the matter here, and that's Canto Bite. Entire Bond mystery. So it's, it opens like the same way as this movie, but uh, it's it's just uh, I don't know. Like Han Solo shows up, and he's like, 
I need you to solve a mystery for me. <laughs> no, it's it's just Blanc chasing Benicio del Toro around a space yeah. casino. That's yeah. that's the movie yeah, I want. Exactly. I did like that there wasn't too much in the way of referencing Knives Out. Like they kind of talk about it a little bit. I honestly wondered if there would be a moment where you see somebody reading like a mystery novel and on the back you see like Ana de Armas's author photo or something, sure. right? I I was actually waiting for a really like phoned in moment where Blanc's like, I need to talk to somebody right. for advice yeah. or something and I can't talk to anyone here. Let me call up Marta and see yeah, how she's doing. Yeah. Like I, I was totally expecting that. And I even in dialogue when people are like, oh, you're Benoit Blanc. Didn't you solve X mystery? None of them say mm-hmm. the Harlan yeah. murder. None of them say that. They all refer to other mysteries. And it almost feels like this could take place before Knives Out. And I yep. kind of like that out of time kind of feel to yeah. it where it's, it's yes, it is very much like, like I said, it, it, like COVID is a part of it. But Knives Out could theoretically take place after this. Well, I just like that this is a, it's just another mystery for Benoit Blanc. It's yeah. another adventure. It, it's it's the Indiana Jones thing, kind of, where it's like we don't have to follow up narrative threads or emotional connections. We can just go, yeah, this is he's going on another one, and yeah. that he doesn't. It, it does. It it, it it it's better than if it tried to connect it too much to the previous movie yeah. with like scenes of like that I have. To understand the killer, I have to get to know the killer. And he goes and, like, Chris Evans is sitting in a prison cell and he's like, I wondered when you'd show up. Visiting hours almost up. You got to use your time, Blanc. Britain, you know, are you telling the- us you need to, to reappraise No Time to Die? Are you going to be lowering your grade for that? I think that's what you're getting I liked it. Um, <laughs> I think I rated it higher than you did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If they make a third one, they should definitely open it with uh, Blanc dragging, I don't know, like, uh, some 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 random celebrity cameo. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's actually uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. Uh, I don't know, so, something along those lines. Sure. He's, he's dragging him into a jail cell, and he drags him past uh, Chris Evans and Edward Norton. I think that would be good. <laughs> Just... <laughs> let them let them heckle each other and also Blanc again. Um. Ooh, now, a scene I, of Chris Evans and Ed Norton just like hurling insults at each yes. other does seem like a, uh, that sounds like fun. Yes, we we haven't really talked about kind of the actual finale of the movie. I the everything set up with the Mona Lisa, uh, yeah. I think is is fantastic. I, I love the the way that that's all set up. Or like, it's a good metaphor, I think, for uh, Miles Braun feeling like he's untouchable. And that, you know, oh, he's got this great security system, but because he can't help but sort of abuse his power, he set up this override system that the French government or Italian government, whatever, whoever he's working with doesn't want him to, uh, you know, override. They want it to be like, there is a security system that once it goes on, it's not supposed to come off. But then, like, he's like, well, I want to be able to appreciate it even more than behind the glass. So I'm going to, you know, have this little option. Uh, and that's right. ultimately, you know, what is his downfall is that he ends up destroying like the the entire through line of, oh, he wants to be mentioned in the same breath as Mona Lisa, because that's just something he's become obsessed with as this creative invention that was created by a true artist and that he did not actually he's not actually creating anything. He's only taking yeah. things. 
uh, and then he takes this piece uh, using only his money. That's that's not ill-gotten because he does he is you know a partner with uh, Andy and, and is is part of the people running the business, but he's not like the the genius behind the actual inventions. Um, and he then ruins it, and now he's going to be forever remembered as that. He uh, presumably is going to be in big trouble with whichever government he took that alone from. And like, I, I think that basically like using the fact that he's trying to push through this idea of this super perfect energy that is not actually that perfect and is actually super dangerous. And that ends up blowing up the one thing he sort of tried to claim as his own, uh, and totally destroys his reputation that that is i think all really effective uh i love the scene of andy smashing all his glass things and then everyone else kind of slowly being like yeah why not and joining in because they're kind of like oh he's not gonna care I, yeah what you know i want to get in on this and destroy stuff and have some cathartic moments that ultimately leads to them turning on him the best it's, room trashing since Tommy Wiseau in the room. <laughs> yeah. Everybody betray me. I fed up yes. with these world. <laughs> Except that was Ed Norton. He was saying that. Right. <laughs> no, I, I do like that. And I like how they, they set up all the cowardice of the characters refusing to, to tell the truth. And then at the end, they're all like, no, we actually are going to lie by telling the truth you know they're like i did see this thing i did witness this this part and they're all raising their hands and everything i like that bit yeah i think maybe the one issue i had is just given how unstable they say the hydrogen energy source is does helen think she's gonna kill everyone when she throws it into the fire i i had that thought too i think everyone everyone survives the the way they describe, like, uh, I think somebody at some point, maybe it's Catherine Hahn, mentions, like, they basically, every, every house, it's going to turn every house in America into the Hindenburg or whatever. Yeah. Um, which to me is more about, like, the, the fear of the explosion, like, ruining the the property and sort of, like, I, I don't think the idea is that it's, like, a true, like, like, I think it's more like the Air Ignites. And it's not necessarily like an actual like hydrogen explosion in terms of a bomb or something like that. It's more of like it can catch things on fire because it's highly hydrogen flammable. Like I I don't think the idea is supposed to be in terms of the movie logic and the science. I don't think the idea is supposed to be that it's actually like going to kill people by blowing up. It's more just that like you can't put this into people's homes because it it will cause property damage. It could catch the actual homes on fire and then cause it to burn down. I don't think the idea is necessarily that the explosions themselves will like just kill everyone. Um, but I don't know. I, I had the same thought. I wasn't entirely sure what the plan was, but the, Look, the way that and the way the editing is where it shows kind of the fire going up into the, the vents where the energy is coming out through, uh, or the kind of hydrogen is being pumped through that the way it's shot to me tracks more of like, it's not necessarily going to kill everyone when it lights on fire, but it obviously makes is is extremely flammable and can catch things like the Mona Lisa on fire very easily. So, 
Look, Ryan Johnson, as I've said many times before, he's not great at the the actual uh, scientific research, I'll say. Like, a lot of his just... When he's doing sci-fi, a lot of his concepts, like, if you think about it for five seconds, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But he, he, he... Particularly with this one, I think he's focused enough on the thematic elements and on the characters that that was the only moment where I was questioning it. And I I think you can also easily hand wave it because the reason, as Daniel Craig says, the reason Andy backed out of the partnership in the first place is because she looked at the science behind it and was like, this is crap. doesn't make any sense. And so, like, (laughs) she should know how it works. So I'm going to assume that she knew what would happen when she did it, like when she actually threw the bomb. Helen would have know. We're talking Helen, not Andy. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. All right. F plus. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the glass onion has been shattered. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe she read her notes or something. Or she, you know, was just like, let's do it. Let's just <laughs> just like it. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, was, that was the only bit of the... Otherwise, I think it's a very, very... Uh, powerful and fun ending yeah but that was the the one thing where i'm like all right ryan johnson can't he can't help but have just yeah some some nonsense with his 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 hard science there <laughs> i don't know that he's ever claimed to have any hard science <laughs> no I, I i yeah i'm joking of course i think i mean this is a man who very clearly was trying to evoke the prequels in the last jedi for that canto bite scene so <laughs> i think he's like yeah that's fun <laughs> Ryan Johnson is the one saying YOLO. <laughs> Guys, movies can be fun. But only if you force them to be. Um, I'm going to give Glass Onion an A, which is slightly higher than the A- minus I gave mm-hmm. Knives Out. I think gonna... ulti- ultimately I, I, I just had a bit more fun with this one. Like I said, I like the, the, the location a bit more and I, I found the mystery just a bit more compelling. Even if I don't think the ensemble gets used in the strongest way when compared to sure. Knives Out. So, hey, I liked it. I'm going to I'm gonna go A as well, which is a step down for me since I gave Knives Out an A+. Uh, and I think for me, it's just the emotional connection is not quite there for me. Uh, I think, like, thematically it doesn't resonate quite the same way. But I, I think as a movie, it's still kind of just as strong from a, a plot and machination standpoint i feel like it all is still very satisfying uh, i'm gonna do a minus i think i gave the last one an a plus but yeah a minus feels right still very good would, would have another one yeah uh, i'm gonna do something a little bit different for recommendations so do y'all want to recommend anything before we we do that go watch andor <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking to both of you I'm, uh, well I'm, for, I'm like just over halfway through. Uh, it is great. Yeah, I, it is I come up good. and passed you, Britain. Uh, I know you did. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't know how that happened because I, <laughs> I'm usually very bad at watching shows. Uh, sometimes I think a show just catches me in a way where I'm like, I'm going to find a way to finish this. I don't care how, as opposed to being like, ah, I'll watch it and whatever. <clears throat> sitting down in front of a TV. And I am his, uh, historically terrible at finishing things. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, it is the most I've enjoyed Star Wars since a long time. I, I think it... You can even, say in five years, Tyler. You can say in five years. I mean, like, I I think... I, I don't necessarily say that in terms of saying, like, oh, it's better than Last Jedi, or it's better than 
uh, Solo, which are both movies that I've said I really enjoyed from recent Star Wars fare. Um, I mean it more in the sense. I mean, I think it's it's not it's not out of the conversation by any stretch. Um, just from like a quality storytelling, writing, all that stuff's fantastic. But the the foundation of the show recaptures what makes Star Wars so interesting as a universe and a world and like a place to tell stories in and, and that kind of idea. Uh, I I think it it grabs that in a way that doesn't have anything to do with nostalgia for the characters or the storylines of the original series or any of the prequels or the sequels. Like it doesn't, it's not feeding off of any of that. It is totally its own thing that sees how interesting Star Wars as a world can be. And it, it's not, you know, it's taking little ideas here and there from the, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and like actually, and obviously Rogue One, um, but, but generating something that feels so grounded and so lived in and so much more nuanced and compelling than anything that I've seen in Star Wars of probably since the original trilogy, which is also, you know, not super nuanced. It is a lot more straightforward, good and evil kind of fun stuff. Um, but Andor, like, it, it makes me, like, <clears throat> want more Star Wars stuff again. And that is not something I ever thought I would feel again. I thought I was pretty much like, yeah, I think I'm done after Rise of Skywalker. In terms of being really excited, you know, I'll watch Mandalorian Season 3 or whatever. I, although I haven't seen a lot of the more recent shows there. But, like, yeah, Andor, I think, it, it I could I could do a whole podcast on it. Like, it is so interesting i might try and convince y'all to at some point <laughs> if you've ever finished it because i think you will probably agree that there's a lot of very interesting things to talk about like i don't know it, it totally changed my view on where star wars sits and i really really hope that disney kind of takes notice of how well it's been received and pivots a little bit it's also a fantastic overall production i i think it is the closest any hbo or any disney plus show has come to looking like an hbo show in terms of the direction again the writing uh the cast the overall look and feel of it, it is it feels like actual prestige television um it's 12 episodes which is nice it's it's not one of these like short kind of maybe it's a limited series maybe we'll squeeze one more season out of it i don't know it's like there's a clear plan for it the structure is fantastic of how the episodes actually play out um it's just it's really satisfying it's really interesting uh and i did not expect to be raving about a star wars show at the end of 2022 but here we are <laughs> yeah no I, I i really like it too i will i will finish it alex what you got uh i'm re-watching the leftovers when i should be watching andor but the leftovers <laughs> is the greatest show so <laughs> i win <laughs> i should also watch the leftover so i can't media is yet. a competition <laughs> correct look I, I i i had to resurrect my netflix account to watch glass onion so i guess the next stop is bullet train there it is there you go i'm not gonna admit to what tv i've been watching because there's no excuse for watching that instead of andor um <laughs> it's okay i know the divergent series that never came out uh that you found in bootlegs online i know that that yeah. No, it's uh, just you know, I made a really, bunch of like You needed to see how it yeah. ended. I I made a bunch of like popsicle stick puppets and just put them yeah. up in front of my TV screen and I'm like, <laughs> ah 
Divergent, how could you? Not save, Katniss. Save us, Divergent. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Shailene Woodley plays Divergent. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just wanted to... Her, her, her name is Megan Divergent. Megan Divergent. <laughs> Speaking of movies I want to see, Megan, are we going to watch that thing or what? That crazy doll, are you kidding me? Um, yes. Oh, that's a boy. <laughs> that's, that's movie in the, does not exist. That's Allison in the, the James Wan horror Aquamaniverse, right? Yeah, probably. I Allison Williams is in so. it, so you know I'm there. Um, it's either that or it's in the Divergent universe. I don't know. It's probably um, both. Yeah. It links the so. two. Yeah. Um, no, uh, it, it's the end of the year, and I just wanted to do a little recap of the franchise movies that we've discussed this year. The only major ones that we haven't covered are Black Adam, which none of us have seen, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which y'all have seen, but I haven't. So those are yes. not on the table. There are probably some others that we just to haven't continue. started those franchises yet. Minions. Yeah. Um, but, like, just of the movies we've watched this year, I just kind of wanted to talk about, like... What were the surprise? Like, so I, I don't know. I guess we can do this in categories. What was the most surprising franchise movie we saw this year? And do you need me to list the movies we saw? Yes. Okay. The <laughs> movies we and these are these are explicit just for the audience. These are 2022 releases that we did on the podcast. So like, Mighty Ducks isn't a part of this. Well, um, dang it. <laughs> those movies would be The Batman, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness, Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore, Glass Onion, Halloween Ends. Jurassic World Dominion, Lightyear, Morbius, Prey, Scream, and Thor, Love and Thunder. So as we go realize. through this, yeah. How many I, 2022 I, movies? This is probably going to be unanimous. For me, the biggest surprise was Halloween Ends. Yes. Yeah. Did not think at any point I was going to say that's one of the best franchise movies of the year. Did not expect it. I would say on the positive surprise, I'd say Halloween Ends. I'd yes. say on the negative surprise, probably Lightyear. Because I was expecting okay. that to be at least competent, and it, sure. like, barely scraped by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I had big enough expectations for Lightyear to say anything mm. one way or another on that one. But, I I mean, Halloween Ends is the one that jumps out as like, oh, wow, yeah, that is... Yeah. If we're putting that list together, then that is the one that totally shocked me. Um, right. Because, like, Alex, I, I think... That, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't know that any of them... Any actually, I'd probably say uh, Love and Thunder. As, that as would be negative. my negative surprise. Yeah. I, I was I was going back through, and I at some point we'll have to to reevaluate this. I did realize that I think that is my going by the score sheet. That is the lowest grade I've given to an MCU movie. I don't yeah. think that would that would hold if I actually like. I I'd, I'd like to go back through and reevaluate my MCU grades from Phase One. I think I was probably a little too forgiving on some of those, especially in hindsight. But like. It is not great, uh, yeah. and yeah, I well, I, I really <laughs> expected a little more. I did not expect to come out of that being like, yeah, I think it's time to hand the reins to somebody else for yeah for the next Thor movie. Meanwhile, like, I'm sitting over here going, wasn't surprised one sure. bit. <laughs> well, for for me, I think Alex, you pointed this out when we talked about Halloween ends that 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 and Halloween Kills have are made by the same people is shocking, right? And it makes you think Halloween Kills is a prank because like. Yes. Halloween Ends is a movie with a, it has it has a clear direction. It knows what it wants to say. It knows how it wants to say it. It's got some really good performances. It's it's a, it, it's a, a departure from the the franchise in an interesting way. It's it's a it's it's a cool way to do this reboot threequel thing. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, Love and Thunder, it's not exactly the same creative team. I know there's some of there's some writing credits that are different, but. 
I like, I love Ragnarok. It, I haven't seen these movies as frequently as y'all have, or certainly not as recently, but that's my off the top of my head answer to favorite MCU movie. Um, and so to go from that to love and thunder, which I wasn't unfairly, I was probably expecting it not to be as good as Ragnarok, but closer to it. And to be like, Oh, this doesn't, this is more like a movie that doesn't work with some things that I like. Whereas Ragnarok flips is a movie I love with some things that, yeah, probably don't hang as well together, but whatever. I'm having a good time. Yeah. And I do also weird thing. I will say for me personally, scream 2022. I, I don't think I had enough time. Yes to be that because i kind of was was a little unsure going back to the franchise if i was going to enjoy it as much as enjoyed the other four as much as the first time i saw them so i wasn't like super hyped for that yet i kind of thought oh it's probably gonna be good uh and i think if i'd seen it on its own in theaters i might not have compared it as much to the other two and been a little more forgiving on it so i don't know that there's there was ever like a, a way for it to be like that surprising and, and shocking and upsetting to me uh but i was not expecting to dislike it as much as i did I yeah. Say that. yeah, and as I a think, as a reminder, you did give that an F minus. <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, oh yeah, Scream was definitely a dud for me, and I think I didn't have I'd only seen the first Scream before, but I came in, I went into five being like, well, I've liked all these movies to one yeah. degree or another, and then that one I was like, oh, this is the others are movies that even if I don't think they're as good, I'm like, ultimately I'll fall on the positive side. Ultimately, I can get with yeah. this in some way. And Scream 5 was a movie that I went, I ultimately, there are some things I don't hate, but I ultimately can't get on board with this, um, which is, which is uh, unpleasant. And I, and I feel like Doctor Strange was sort of the inverse for me of, of Love and Thunder, yeah. where my, if again, having not seen it since it came out, least favorite MCU I would have said was the first Doctor Strange. I don't know hmm. what metric, I just remember feeling that way when I watched it, and I just kind of stuck to it, because I don't rewatch these movies that much. But... Then I went into multiverse, and obviously it's a totally different director, a totally different part of the fran- of the MCU. But I had a great time with that movie. I thought it was really fun both times I watched it. It's it's stupid in a good way, and and I think it maybe it is just power of expectation where I was like, well, I didn't care about the first Doctor Strange, so yeah, do whatever you want. Oh, okay. Oh, I really enjoyed the last Thor, so I hope you do well. Oh, all right. Maybe there's a little of that going yeah. on, but but I thought multiverse. Uh, uh, quite worked I, I i would say that Lightyear for me is i have such a weird relationship with that movie because on the one hand it feels too aggressive to be like oh it's one of the worst movies of the year but i know if i was <laughs> ranking the movies i saw this year it would be really low that like that movie <laughs> that movie is so insane but the tone is so plaintive it's such a, a casual loping tone to a insane series of six movies they tried to make it out of one movie like it's such a bizarre it's such a bizarre thing that i'm, I'm i don't like the but it is vestigial there is no reason to watch it if you like the toy story movies you don't right. like it doesn't add or subtract any information it is just this other thing yeah um i would say for me the least surprising thing was actually morbius yeah because i think i was thinking about this today that the the biggest thing about Morbius is the meme. It's really not the movie. The meme of Morbius is what has cultural capital. Yeah. And and when I saw the movie, which was when we did our commentary track for it, I was like, this isn't, you know, better than I expected. But it's not even hilariously bad. It wasn't yeah. like, it's like, yeah, this is what it, yeah, it's a boring movie that reminds me of early aught superhero movies in a bad way. Like, this isn't, 
Yeah, I know. Like it, it's it's bad, but I knew it was gonna be bad, so I'm not mad at it. But also, like, there's nothing. It's not interesting in it, its badness. It might as well be a reboot of the Blade franchise, like sure. a reboot spinoff of the Blade franchise sure. in 2022. Like that. That pretty much is is how it tracks. Yeah, yeah. I would say the other one that was kind of least surprising was Fantastic Beasts. Sure. Yeah. Because I was basically at the point where I was like, it's gonna be better than the second one, but it's not gonna save it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, and and I I think too the Fantastic Beast to me is obviously a movie I think is quite bad, um, but that movie I, I had a similar experience with that with Dominion where I had seen the first I'm familiar with the sort of original franchise of movies of Jurassic Park and Harry Potter. I saw the first of the new ones, Jurassic World and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I missed the second one which is in both cases supposed to be just bafflingly terrible. But then I saw the third one, which is still pretty terrible. But like, I think Alex, in both cases, you were like, yeah, it's bad. It ain't as bad as the second one. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't see the second one. So this thing is terrible. I don't remember where I felt. I feel like Dominion, I might've fallen on saying that was worse to me than uh, fallen kingdom. Uh, But I mean, it's you're, you're splitting hairs to some extent. Sure. Um, Dominion, you gave an F. Let me, uh... I feel like I was, like, deep D-range for Fallen Kingdom. Kind of flipped the initials there of the <laughs> subtitles. Uh, let's see. You, yeah, you gave uh, Fallen Kingdom a D. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, six and one, half a dozen of the other. Sure. Um, but, but I also thought with Fantastic Beast, it's interesting because that that trilogy is not following up Grand Cinema. And this is, I'm not digging on Harry Potter. I'm not, I'm not dr- trash. I'm, this I is am. not about rolling. <laughs> this is, but those Harry Potter movies, however you feel about them, they're not cinematic achievements. They're entertaining, which is totally valid, but they're there to I be adaptations. Three po- are good. Sure. They're roller coaster rides. What can I say? But they're, you know what I mean? They, these are not like works of cinematic achievement. They're, they're fun movies based on a popular book series. Whereas the first Jurassic Park movie, I think, is a cinematic achievement. Yeah. I think it's one of the best blockbusters, certainly, of the 20th century. Um, it's an incredible movie that no, none of its followers have come close to to touching. And so, on the one hand, I think Fantastic Beasts just doesn't have as much to live up to. It does in terms of continuing the Harry Potter mythos, but just in terms of movies, it doesn't have this, like... For me, anyway, this like, oh, man, how are you going to come close to to Goblet of Fire? (laughs) Like, it's fine. Whereas all of the Jurassic Park sequels and Jurassic World movies, I'm like, you have you are under the shadow of this masterpiece. Yeah. Um, So I think Dominion. I was I was probably surprised by how bad it was, but I also was not like. The it, it didn't. I didn't have enough expectations going in to be yeah. like, wow, this is even worse than I expected. I was just like, oh, yeah, huh. I really am not getting anything out of this. I think Dominion, uh, and, and this will lead into my next prompt, but I think Dominion is not shocking to me in how bad it was. It was shocking to me in the way, it which, the way in which it was bad. I was not expecting to see a Jurassic Park movie that seemed so disinterested in dinosaurs um, and in depicting dinosaurs in a way that was cinematic or interesting or awe-inspiring. Um, and if that I can why, throw yeah. a positive at Fallen Kingdom, it does seem a bit more interested yeah. in the dinosaurs of sure. it all. I believe you. 
Um, and that is why my vote for worst franchise movie of the year is Jurassic World Dominion. I right. I think it's the worst movie I've seen this year. I, I dislike that movie. It made me angry. That that would be my my vote for for the worst. Oh, let me let me review my notes here real quick, because <laughs> um, I gotta I gotta make sure I get this right. See if my my opinions. We haven't seen Black Adam yet. And we haven't seen Black Adam, which is going to be my worst until I give it a C. <laughs> um, see, I, I, I was I was I was telling Britain this beforehand. It's a, it's a heart versus head situation here. My head wants to say Jurassic World Dominion is the worst thing I've seen this year. My heart wants to say Love and Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going by the score sheet rules, and I think Dominion... The lowest I've given anything new this year is a D. Oh, wow. Something feels wrong. <laughs> I, I feel... I, I think I'm broken, guys. <laughs> what? Where's, I, where's the fire? Where's the passion? Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave it all to Halloween Ends by going, Oh, wait, it didn't suck? <laughs> You're kidding! It happened for once? <laughs> 13 movies and only two and a half of them are good. <laughs> Tyler, do you have a vote for, uh, for worst of the year? Uh, I'm I'm still sticking with Scream 2022. I think that just made me very mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, where you live. I, I do think score sheet wise, Dominion's going to be my vote. Because yeah. at least because at least Love and Thunder, if I remember correctly, on a second watch, I remember like the last act picked up a bit more for me so it was sure. like okay there's a section of this yeah. movie that i'm not completely hating dominion like the whole thing i was like i don't know why yeah. this is what happened right I, I don't see how this is the movie that i, I just don't get it yeah um, i mean like i can't remember if we did actually do grades for morbius maybe that's actually the worst of the year just by default but sure. yeah eh, whatever and that's also again. I think the the biggest thing about Morbius is just how uninteresting it is to me. Like as a movie to act, it, it's a, it's interesting as like a movie to make jokes about, but to actually talk about, there's not that much on the bone. Like yeah, you know. Um, but mo- in a more positive light, uh, what do we think is the best? What's our vote for best or favorite of the year? Because this one's harder for me. My mine's Glass Onion. Okay. Um. Other ones that I enjoyed quite a bit, the Batman, which we haven't really touched on, but I think that was also in a way not very surprising. It was like, yep, right. yeah, Matt Reeves made a good Batman movie. That looks um, like the trailer, yeah, yeah. It's it's not. It's got it's some kind problems. of the Dune, uh, the Villeneuve Dune thing in a way. Yeah, but it's got it's got some problems there, but there's a lot of potential for a sequel. Um, if Zaslav actually lets that happen, I don't know. Um, it sounds like it's safe at this point. Um, Doctor Strange was was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to be a C range movie, and I gave it a B plus. Um, I had quite a bit of fun with that, and it's probably, aside from Eternals, it's probably the most I've enjoyed Phase Four MCU shenanigans. The rest of it sucked. <laughs> nah, that's 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 hyperbole. Most of it sucked. You like um, Shang Chi? I did like Shang Chi. That's true. Um, a prey was was not. All that surprising? That one was fairly like oh, yeah. solid movie. Got it. Yeah, I think there is a lot of like I would put Prey. I would put the Batman. I would say 
Doctor Strange, I would say spoilers for Wakanda Forever. All of those are like movies that I hoped would be something and they were. Like I, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I feel like this is probably going to turn out pretty well. And they did. And I was like, cool. Um, I have quibbles, you know, here and there to varying from movie to movie. But like, I, I think overall, those were all like good movies that are about what I was ex- expecting and hoping uh, going into them. Um, yeah, I would say Glass Onion's my favorite. And then immediately below that is Halloween Ends, which once again, yeah, I, I, what world are we living in where <laughs> that happened? <laughs> What, did I give Halloween ends an A minus? Yes, we we all gave it A minuses. That's probably that's probably right. It probably should be Glass Onion, but I I think like in terms of the surprise factor and just like how good I thought Halloween ends was, that might be my like kind of more subjective selection for best or at least my favorite. Like just in, in terms of like, wow, you did it! I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> like I'm so proud. <laughs> it's the it's the prodigal son, you know. I I may also have to go with Glass Onion if I'm thinking about what movie I want to rewatch that sure. I'm most likely to. I don't I don't want to forget Prey. I think Prey is sure. just such a like solid like tight like yep you did it that you kind of forget to talk about it and you kind of forget to lump it in with everything else because it does it didn't make me angry. I think it worked, and I don't have the history with the franchise that y'all do, so I also don't have the same <laughs> kind of like talk about I, I don't prodigal son. i'm not gonna feel you know uh uh, as excited or as relieved um and i i really wouldn't like head versus heart head has got to throw halloween ends in there because it is just an it's an impressive piece of work on its own and it's impressive that that is happening like Mm -hmm. in a halloween movie that this is what we're seeing and the batman I, i think i said this at the time we did the recording but i think that's a movie that is very well made that i just don't like watching i just don't have a personal attachment to it some of that may just be bat fatigue. Some of that may just be me trying to be cool. Um, but I think there's a lot of strong stuff in it. I, I do have criticisms, but also like those are all fairly subjective. Um, and I, I would be interested to see how many of those criticisms also change in a sequel. Like it's nothing that uh, uh, I'm, I'm 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 not counting it out. I, I do think it's one of the better ones, and Doctor Strange as well. I just think it's a just a good fun time. Um, I think like my hottest take is just that Morbius would end up in the middle for me because it's like, I just don't care. Whereas like fantastic beasts and Jurassic world and Lightyear, I had some kind of emotional reaction to us or some kind of like frustration with Whereas Morbius. I was like, yeah, you're doing the thing I thought you were going to do. So like, whatever. <laughs> I, I do find it amusing how the ones that you guys are, not all of them, but the, I, I, some of the ones that you guys have especially like focused on of like, no, these are like the worst of the year. I'm like something in the C range. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Between scream and fantastic beasts. I was like, whatever <laughs> you were nicer this year. And I was meaner yes. this year. <laughs> this is an interesting. <laughs> yeah. Up. It's, 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 it's wrong. <laughs> well, we'll watch black Adam and we'll see how, how much that retcons everything we just did. Yeah. All right. I'm changing love and thunder. F minus. <laughs> The time has come, Watiti. Turns out Black Adam's actually all our favorite movie of the year. Not even franchise, just favorite movie. (laughs) Yeah. Tar, forget about it. (laughs) Everything, everywhere, all at who? (laughs) I want to see Black Adam. (laughs) Uh. The fact that it's like readily accessible and like within 30 seconds I could be watching it, it it sickens me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but also allures me. <laughs> it also but, seduces me. Um, but also, I cannot resist the temptation. <laughs> we have not yet decided if that will be our next option or if we will go with something yeah. else. If you would like to learn what that is uh, when we do, then you can follow us at the Here Come the Sequels. Uh, or I should say, at HTT Sequels on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We are, of course, on Spotify and all the usual podcast apps. Um, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Did I say that? We're, on, we're at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. It's our, our website where I post blogs that contain our podcast. Uh, and I don't know, probably like... Like I think probably we'll, we'll we should get an HBO deal before too long because they don't know what yeah. they're doing. I think totally. we can probably swing that. Yeah, send us um, memes. New year, new memes. New year, new memes. Send us send us those memes. I won't. I think we've already we've already hit a good runtime on this episode, so I won't uh, drag out some meme uh, to to put in front of you the audience and dissect. Uh, but I will absolutely do it in the future. So please email your memes to us. That was a threat, not a promise. Correct. <laughs> the only thing that would be worse than sending me memes is not sending me memes. <laughs> so think long and hard about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, well, guys, another year, another bunch of podcasts, but we'll we'll get them next year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something Alex hates. It's yeah. out there. We'll see what happens. What do we got coming we'll, up next year? We'll what review we... Avatar and Avatar 2 if we have to. Yeah. If I it, Look, if I recall correctly, Tyler, we watched Avatar, or rewatched it about like four or five years ago, and I believe you hated it more than I did. That's possible. But will you hate, or will I hate Avatar 2 more? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, next year, I mean... I, off the top of my head, I know we got Quantumania coming up. So, oh god, I'm an hate. Yeah, buckle in, Alex. <laughs> we got is F10 next year, or is that the year after? Uh, probably, maybe. Okay. Um, and there's probably another MCU movie next year, and like, and Alex's new favorite movie, the Mario movie. And the Mario movie is next year, and whatever, man. Maybe like Thunderbolts is in it. Um, Shazam two. Mm-hmm. probably next year um and man i don't know what movies are coming out but <laughs> is is the flash coming out <laughs> no never never will <laughs> why would you think that? that that would be the movie where i walk out going you know <laughs> it was all right <laughs> hear, hear me out hear me out <laughs> you say to the the janitorial staff of the theater as you <laughs> insist that uh, as long as the lights are on they're not closed sir you you were the only one here at the 10 p.m showing please leave <laughs> yeah but I, 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 but, you know, I just i really gotta unpack this with you i feel like yeah look i'm i'm used to standing outside with with people who work at a theater and and just complaining about dc movies for hours on end it's a pattern with me okay that's true sir would you like to be a podcast with me <laughs> uh sure thing sweep 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 (laughs) it'll be let me just go get my equipment (laughs) no i just pull out a little hand recorder like i'm a like i'm a reporter or something 
Well, everyone, we will see you guys in 2023, um, and uh, we'll be making podcasts. Uh, but until then, I've been Britton. I've been Tyler. I've been Alex. And you're having... I can't do a pun with the glass onion night. You, you, whatever, it's fine. You're having a good night. It's fine. Happy New Year! <laughs>